Well, well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This, of course, is the American soccer podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know, that you neglected to learn, that you <laughs> wish you were there for about the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Ty. I'm a web designer, a job that did not exist when this game was played. <laughs> and we love the Nats. I'm Clayton. I'm a rapper with a job that no longer exists. <laughs> yeah, doesn't right. exist in 2020. <laughs> hey. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Welcome in, folks. Welcome to the very first ever uh, Storytime pod in which we go back and relive an actual Storytime. So we are here to discuss a World Cup match that was, and and in doing so, we'll take a break from discussing World Cup matches that were not and perhaps will not be. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. There was, of course, a game at one time in history. It was uh, group stage of the World Cup 1994, USA versus Switzerland. And that is what we are going to talk about today. So if you don't remember this game, if you've never seen this game, highly recommend that you go back and give it a watch. Um, if you try footballia.net, I do not endorse Shouts anything. Shouts to Footballia. <laughs> Shouts to Footballia. I don't officially endorse anything that they're doing on their website, um, but I don't disencourage you from trying to find USA versus Switzerland on any website at all. We uh, don't not uncondone <laughs> seeking this content. I, I don't think anyone's going to give anybody a hard time for slang in 94 world cup matches I, I loving the nats All the, no, these, these advertisers so. are loving it i'm yeah I'm they going have out to be. buying a, a chevy and uh <laughs> eating snickers bars after this dude this was like the 94 right like advertising really coming into its 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 oh, second it's age advertising heaven it's gorgeous it's, it's like pre-cable even <laughs> like the the reach of these networks my god and not only that, world. not only that, but the innovation. All right, we're going to get into it. The innovation of advertising in soccer, a sport which the USA didn't <laughs> yeah. really understand yet. Okay, so uh, first, let me just get a couple things out of the way. If you're with us, we love you. We hope you are, you know, healthy and and staying home and doing everything you can do to just keep this life rolling forward. And one of the things that might help is reaching out to us on Twitter at WTP Pod. We are on there for time to time. And, uh, you know, you can always shoot us your ideas. Definitely shoot us any games that you want us to watch and talk about from the illustrious history of the USM mm. and WNT, uh, where we want to, we want to dive in. We want to get deeper in our knowledge. So, so tell us on Twitter what we should be, uh, watching and talking about. And of course, shoot us a five-star review. You know, we need that. You know, we love that. And you know, it does a lot for the show. So please do that. And if you do that, um, you, someone might read it out on the the show like Roy Wegerly or uh, Bora Militinovich. <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to be Militinovich. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, end of housekeeping. 
Let's dive right in here, folks. Uh, we got to get to it, but bef- before doing a quick game recap, I want to I want to set the stage. Let's let's get a little table setting for this delicious, tasty meal uh, that will be USA versus Switzerland. Ty, what's the big picture here? So uh, there's so much to say. I mean, it's it's a different it's a different world. You know, it's the 90s. It was a simpler time, Clayton. It was a simpler time. Was it? <laughs> This is this might be the simplest time of my entire life. <laughs> oh my god! So I yeah. First personally, I'm I was six. I remember catching some bits and pieces of this tournament. I was I know I was excited in the abstract about the tournament, but I think I could watch about three or four minutes of actual soccer before I like wandered off to you know pick my nose or whatever. Uh, and you were you were two. So, so no memes, no memes there. Um, <laughs> no, no memories whatsoever. I, I, was, I was too busy kicking off my Lil Wayne style rap career. Exactly. Rapping from the cradle. So <laughs> Abu Bam Bam Dabi. The story of the 94 World Cup. I'll, I'll go back first to the, uh, the awarding of this World Cup, which was very controversial because you're talking about a country where you know, I don't. I don't know what the viewership figures were for like you know Mexico '86, but they weren't great. And this is a, a a market that is completely nascent. There isn't even a league at this time. So keep in mind, they're having the World Cup in a country that doesn't have a fucking soccer, you know, a, a first tier soccer league. So the uh, the the awarding of the World Cup sets into motion a series of events that culminates in the soccer infrastructure and scene and sort of cultural uh, identity that it has today. And, you know, the 90 team has something to do with that because the 90 team qualified, um, you know, by, by the skin of their teeth and then just got crushed um, in Italy. Um, And they, but they, you know, made a, made a dent in, in the, in the media cycle, but this world cup team, this, this, uh, U.S. team that that hit the field on this illustrious day in the the Pontiac Silverdome was <laughs> really, I think, for most of America, the introduction to soccer. So what you're looking at in this game is is a, a seed that kind of germinated, and you can see that throughout all of the kind of culture and the um, the you know. Uh, what would you call it? Like the apparatus of soccer today. Like, you know, literally you have Ernie Stewart, who's now the... Well, yeah, I was going to say, whatever. according to... if From watching just this game, I would think that if you put on the U.S. jersey, you at some point get a job. Every It, it seems oh, like yeah, half of the yeah. players out there are people that I now know. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, Alexi Lawless on the field. Ernie Stewart, like you mentioned. Um, uh, Eric Winalda, one-time Eric presidential Winalda, candidate. Parks. Tony John Miola. Harks, Tony, Kobe Jones. Kobe the Jones comes Kobe off the bench. Jones. Oh, my God. Oh, so this, yeah, Fresh the field, out of college, the Kobe field Jones. Is, the field is full of what would become the U.S. soccer that we now know today, for better and exactly. for worse. Um, exactly. So what was exactly. this? This was gr- this was game one group stage. Yeah. So this is this is game one for the U.S. Uh, back then, the tournament started with a game by the champion. So the the first game of the tournament and the opening ceremony was in Chicago the day before, which was uh, Germany against Bolivia, and ends one nil to the Germans. And uh, guess who scores the winner? Closer. Yergi, baby. <laughs> 
Yergi, Yergi, it's your boy. It's your boy. His his triumphant debut at Soldier Field in Chicago, where he would he would you know hit the field many more times <laughs> oh uh, in his in his illustrious <laughs> career. He comes um, off like I think I like it here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is not bad. Um, so Jurgen 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 scores the first goal of this tournament, which propels the U.S. into prominence, which has to play some role long term. But that's a side note. So, uh, and the you know the 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 narrative of the tournament is what's going to happen when we take this game. It's like the equivalent of like putting the World Baseball Classic in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's like what are people go even going to think of this? So like all the media. Um, attention both in and outside the U.S. is like, how is the public going to react? Like the 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 like uh, non-immigrant public who has who has like almost no conception even of the rules a lot of the time and needs to have things explained like the offsides rule and the stoppage time and things like that. Um, and so, like all the news stories, if you look back, they're they're like just probing the 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 attendees and asking people what they thought. I, I pulled a quote from this just tasty uh, Baltimore Sun story about the first game. I'll just read this quote real quick. Julie Thompson, 10, from nearby Naperville, thought the game was, <laughs> quote, cool. <laughs> but Chris Borick, 25, a Chicago secretary, said, I'm going to do like a, what it's like, dub bears, okay. I like the people, the fans, but if this sport is going to be that boring, we can get bored watching our own Bears or Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise known as not cool. Not Not cool. cool. So there was a great halftime. To that point, there was a great halftime interview with Eric Winalda explaining how... Uh, when oh. a soccer player scores oh. a goal, it's like all of the points in a basketball game combined into one. At once. Yeah, so that's exactly. what we're feeling when this we score a goal. So, that's it. So great. Okay. So Priceless. and sorry, I, I forgot to mention before that you have the opening ceremony, which is infamous uh, for Diana Ross, international superstar, performing, um, and she has this main set piece uh, during her performance. She's like dancing and singing all the way from one end of the field to the other. And at the other end of the field, she has to score a goal, like a a penalty, basically. (laughs) And she's like 10 feet out, maybe. And somehow the ball goes like 60 degrees to the side and she misses. (laughs) But the goal is pre... Uh, preset to kind of crack in the middle to show the ferocity of Diana Ross's uh, sweet <laughs> laces shot. So the goal just cracks anyway. pillow. And no one knows what the hell to do. So Diana Ross just kind of like shrugs and, and runs through it. So this is just fantastic. And oh, also uh, the, so the, per- the person who, who welcomes the world to the World Cup in 94 is Oprah. Come so on. Oprah is the MC of the opening ceremony, and apparently during the opening ceremony, also falls off the stage somehow. So it's just like it's 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 a uh, it's Gonzo. It's like it's ridiculous. It's it's an absurd thought that you would play the world's biggest soccer tournament in a country that has no freaking idea how the game works. So the entire thing's a, a really crazy experiment. It's easy to look back on it and say like, oh yeah, well everyone knows how soccer works, but. That's because of this tournament. That's not preceding this tournament. It's right. because after this tournament, you know, so many kids 
were watching it, that it became more and more popular and, and youth participation grows and, you know, every, the, the, the grounds for everything that, that we see today comes from this. So anyway, that's the background. It all starts here, folks. Starting lineup, here. line them up. Get uh, out. So you imagine the pressure, imagine the preparation. You know, a lot of these players were not on professional contracts necessarily in the build up to the tournament. You have these like apocryphal stories about Sunil Gulati, who was, I think the team manager at this point or something. He had, he had like a very like pragmatic role, um, on the, with the 94 team. And they're like training in mall. They're like you know training on in fields outside of uh, outside of malls and just like changing in the bathroom at the mall and all this stuff. And so you have this, uh, yeah, this this team of of players who are, are really uh, amazingly brave and and uh, in in a ridiculously pressurized situation with the eyes of the entire country on them, representing not just like their country but. The, the entire sport to their, their, their yeah their dedication of their life to this odd sport. So I'll I'll shut up now and let you do your thing. All right, all right. Well, well, here's the thing. We've got some players, and I know some of their first names. All right, let's do this. Thing. We've got Tony Miola. We've got Coyman. We've got I think Tom Dooley. Tom, is it Thomas? Thomas, Thomas Dooley. Indeed. Thomas Dooley. John Harks. Uh, Ernie Stewart, of course. Tab Ramos, let's go. Ramos, if you Tab will. Ray. Uh, Eric Winalda. Sorber. Mike Sorber, yeah. Mike Sorber. Balboa. Yep, yep, yep. Kali Giri. And of course, yep. Alexi Lalas. Uh, at, at the helm, it's uh, Militinovich. What's his first name? Bora. Bora, thank you. And then as subs, we got to see John Wagerly. And of course, Shaboy. Kobe Jones. So this was uh, an interesting game to watch. My my eye was drawn immediately to the tactics of this game. Um, you know, the Swiss came out strong, uh, namely uh, throughout the game. Uh, one whose last name was Suter, apparently, yep. on a relegation a relegated German side, but on his way to uh, one Bayern Munich, I've, according to the to the broadcast that I watched. Anyways, that guy was shredding it up. He's the he's the good Brexhay. He was prototype Neymar out there, white Neymar. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, exactly what I thought. He was white <laughs> Neymar. He's white Neymar. And he I love Sutar. Wow. Um, so <laughs> who knew? So so it was a it was a Swiss dominated uh, first half, which culminated somewhere maybe around the thirtieth minute in a free kick uh, taken by some Swiss guy. Uh, was it uh, Breggy? <laughs> Some old Breggy? ass Swiss guy. Some old ass Swiss guy. Uh, nice free kick. Tony Breggy. Miola beat beat as fuck. He does he does a little double hand wave towards it, but he's he does really like just, a comical. He's, he's waving attempt. it goodbye. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, goodbye. he's giving it his blessing. Yeah. Uh, goes right in, and it really it, all hope feels very much lost. This this looked like a losing U.S. side, but uh, but in spite of it all, Eric Winalda tucks away a free kick in. Almost the last kick of the first half. All right, tight. Going in first. Not half. just a free kick. I mean, this is a. I mean, also, 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 thirty <laughs> yard on. upper ninety. It was gorgeous. Curler, even better world than Bregas. World class. Absolutely, oh, yeah. a fine free kick. An unexpected came out of nowhere. Um, by the way, uh, ta- it, it tactically it appeared that the goal was to to shove the ball up in Ernie Stewart's general direction uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the entire time. I, um, I have a note. I have a note that's like uh, long ball to Stewart, about as effective as long ball to Altidore. <laughs> 
Perhaps less. What was crazy <laughs> was by the end of this game, I, I, you know, there you get all this talk. All right, second half, no one scored. Oh. Um, uh, Tab Ramos played really well in the second half. Had flashes. Started to started God. to show me why his Magic. name is what it is uh, in in the lore of this team. And I and I hope over the course of this series of going back and learning my history to to really get to see some vintage Tab Ramos. But I think there were flashes in this second half and uh, the. The other, the other top um, highlight for me was seeing Kobe Jones, who who is obviously really like clearly shows some amazing talent, uh, and it's cool to see that from a yeah. name that I know. Uh, but definitely Tom Dooley and John Wagerly, <laughs> whoever those Roy, guys Roy are, Roy Wagerly, yeah, you know, <laughs> Wait, they Wagerly. <laughs> they they were also really good, and I've never fucking heard of them in my life. So it's just crazy the shit that you might have missed. Anyways, yeah, uh, we we come we, we come out of this second half. It's it's tied one one. The U.S. has not made a fool of themselves, and yet and yet. I still felt that as a fan of this team in that moment, I would have been saying there were a lot more opportunities to possess in the midfield and we should have had (laughs) a little bit more patience, which is crazy because the narrative is this is how we got good as a team was by lumping it forward. And, you know, we, we have to understand our roots. And yet I'm watching our roots and I have the same opinion. Um, Ty coming off of this game, what were your first impressions? Oh, or should I, I say so second, impre- second I mean, impressions? Yeah, yeah, exactly. From when I was six, I, I, I guess I'll start there. I think what's interesting to me is just noticing how things have changed and how things haven't changed. And you know, the game was it's it's definitely like five to ten percent slower overall. And I would say the the level of first touch is is much worse on both sides than you'd expect today. Um, definitely the amount of running is, is much lower and it's, it's just, it's a, it's a very different game in a lot of respects, but I identified a lot of those same things that, that you did where it's like, no, I feel like our players could stand toe to toe with them. And I didn't feel like our only hope was to, you know, get corners and, and put Lalas in the box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that the U S had, had several reasonable chances from the run of play. The best one being, um, Ramos with the side foot, left foot, defense-breaking pass from midfield that springs uh, Dooley sort of streaking down the left. And Dooley uh, just can't put it away. Can't handle it. Can't in a one-on-one. It. Can't handle it. But that that's just a peach of a chance. And that's I, I feel like, you know, the Swiss team was was pretty damn good. I, I went back and looked, and they were um, – 18th in the world in ELO at the time, and we were 53rd in the world in ELO. Didn't look so like it's pretty it. They significantly, looked, they yeah, looked it's better a pretty than significant us, level. but not that yeah, much better yeah. than us. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big jump in, in talent in theory, but I thought the U.S. played really well, and, I, and I'm with you. I feel like going back to this, it's like, wait a second. We, I, I feel like we were sold a bill of goods about this whole... You know, we've always done it by just being better, being, you know, faster and, and more fit. And it's like, that was definitely an element. Like the, the fact that we could keep pace in the, uh, the, the stifling indoor dome heat, like the, the retained heat of the silver dome. So you did some, yeah, you did some research on the silver dome. What, what yeah, was the, yeah. what was the actual, uh, what was the, what were the air conditions? Cause I, yeah, I had a thought that I thought the, the British announcer might've just been commentating from, from, you know, England 
in this recording and didn't realize that it was indoors. Um, Cause he kept saying it went, was so hot there. He kept, yeah, he kept mentioning how hot it was, but then I went back and researched and the Pontiac Silverdome had no air conditioning, ladies and gentlemen. So imagine it's, it's, it's even hotter. <laughs> it's even it's hotter. Just baking. It's just, it's, there's some greenhouse effect going on. There's you're, you're baking in there. You're baking in there. So, uh, so it was, it was definitely steamy and you could see the, maybe, you know, maybe the Swiss team's like laying off the gas a little bit. The other, the other factor there is the groups used to be, it was a 24 team tournament. So the, it used to be that situation where like a bunch of the third place teams would go through. Um, so it could be that the Swiss felt like a point was not that bad. Uh, but you know, certainly for the U S I think they, they outperformed expectation. They showed that. Yeah, we did have some pretty damn good players. We had some players who, on a technical level, even could could totally hack it with the with the Swiss. And uh, looking back at that game, I mean, I, I think we have nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to our talent level. And I I still think we we denigrate ourselves a lot of the time. Absolutely. Um, so one person who's who constantly um, trumpets that narrative that we need to understand our roots and we yeah. need to win ugly. There is, is one Alexi Lawless, <laughs> who it it deserves to be said. Watching this game, you really get the whole Lawless thing <laughs> a lot oh more when God. you see him play. So he's got this like crazy sick red goatee. His hair is all everywhere, um, and he is he's proactively stepping to cut out passes left and right. Sometimes way too aggressively. Uh, it was it was a joy to watch. Honestly, he was so good and made he made high profile mistakes like you love a American center back to do, and he of made course. like really Brooksy high, and errors, <laughs> Brooksy and errors, and he made really high <laughs> octane tack- tackles. Yes, absolutely. No, and he was he was he fabulous, made, and he made he like fabulous. some some terrible passes also. He did make <laughs> and some and bad just passes. couldn't get his wits about him when it came to that grass. Like he was slipping all everywhere, but it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. And if I'm a Swiss player against him, I'm unhappy. That you know, this is oh yeah. They, they always say like you you want the the best players are the players that you just don't want to play against. Right. And so right, for all exactly. of his faults, for all of his over aggressiveness, for all of his overzealousness for the game, Alexi Lawless is someone I never want to play against. And that is mm. just so awesome. Yeah, you you said it. And he, he I, I remembered him being good, but I always kind of thought it was like good by comparison. Like the team sucked <laughs> nah, so much nah, nah, that nah, he nah, stood nah, out nah, because nah. he was competent. <laughs> he was really good. I so mean, good. I, I in the wake of this tournament, I think this is when he got his... Uh, his move to Italy and played in um, Padua for for two or three years, and he clearly deserved it. I mean, he could clearly play play on that level, and he was up against um, Chapuisa from uh, from from Dortmund, the original Marco Royce, <laughs> the, the OG Marco Royce, who was who was pretty sick and and really uh, had a lot of great movement and things like that. But he he just stifled the the Swiss attack on so many occasions. Um, and who was the, yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. So who was the, who was the, who was his, uh, center back partner with the sick mullet? The, the, oh, Mar- the Marco Balboa, dude, proto, proto Aaron Marcelo Long. Balboa, not Marco, proto, I'm sorry, Marcelo, Marcelo Balboa. Marcelo is the homie. Proto he's, Aaron he's, Long. He's around, he, he does a uh, commentary for, for Univision and he's a super nice guy. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. The style, the mustache, the mullet. Yeah, it, Amazing. The the hair is glorious. 
maybe this is a good time to talk about the commercials. We'll take a quick commercial Let's, break. Yeah, quick commercial break. To what what was your favorite commercial? Um, I, I enjoyed They were so the, good. They were, as, yeah. a, as a macro, you know, there hopefully one, you pause the pod and you listened, you watched this game in its entirety at yeah. any website, Footballia, you know, whatever. And uh, you saw that the, the American media was clearly grappling with how do we shoehorn advertisements into this game? So at every stoppage, there was exactly. a strange exactly. early 90s advertisement <laughs> exactly. and someone, some voice of God from nowhere yeah. saying, we will return Reading you copy. to your soccer yeah. game. <laughs> in momentarily you can, you can see the board meetings happening as you watch <laughs> so the game good. all, so all of the uh, all of the machinations around how they're going to make the most amount of money out of americans watching this sport and i don't know why they don't still do that honestly they should because they should. it I was, was fine totally unobtrusive they just and anytime somebody went down they they just cut to a 30 second spot and i'm, I'm sure they made crazy bank I don't know why they, this doesn't happen anymore. They yeah. do it in uh, Liga MX games, and they and they do it with the picture-in-picture style, so you know you don't get that anxiety of what am I missing, you know, like. Right. So, right, anyways, right. what was your favorite commercial? Uh, I like the one. There was like a an motivational kind of Adidas commercial where they were they were like, "Soccer's not coming to America." This is it's a '90s uh, copy voice. Here. It's already here. So dope. And oh, that chills, baby. Chills. chills because I Shouts. mean, kind of true, but you know, speak true. speak speak it into existence, right? My yeah, my exactly, favorite exactly. my favorite was the Volkswagen. There was a Volkswagen commercial inspired by the Beat Poets, which at that time was too late. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like you're already too late. <laughs> it, was, it was just yeah. so downstream, so derivative, and so just priceless. Like it was like it was like why get in a car? Accidents, uh, you know, messiness, friendship, <laughs> accidents. We believe everything matters. <laughs> Nothing matters. Volkswagen. Bob Dylan. <laughs> it was so good. It was so oh. good, dude. So it all it all kind of came together. The aesthetic of this whole thing, from the players' hair to the advertisements the to fans. the people to the fans who had oh. almost no idea what to do. There was lots of screaming and beers. There was a lot of screaming. Uh, yeah. Lots there of was, red there faces. was a lot of excitement about uh, clearly offsides forward runs. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Like where and, they're just playing the run out just because they have momentum, but they know they're offsides and the crowd's yeah. like, oh my God, it's happening. It's finally happening. And a lot of uh, Mexican waves as it was known at the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. that was, that was all, that was all we had. There was no, um, what's his face at the, the outlaws. It's, it's racist to call it the Mexican wave. It's called, uh, COVID wave. It's you, called that's what you should call it. There were no outlaws you leading call it chance. the Mexican wave. <laughs> you have to call it the Corona wave. You have to call it Corona wave. <laughs> um, okay, uh. so who is your who's your uh, man of the match here? I mean, Eric Winalda, right? Gets incredible free kick, but let's just say we take that out and and we talk about the 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 way the team played in open play. Who do you who do you think is was the best player on our team? I'd go for Lawless. All right. I'd go for Lawless. Right. I right. feel like I feel like Sorber and uh and Dooley. It was it was kind of like an empty bucket 442. Um though it was I guess yeah, it's a good segue into like the tactics as a whole. They Yeah, please do. It was like it was really flat. It was like really soccer 101 442. But the the two central midfielders for the US 
um, Mike Sorber, who became who was uh, Bob Bradley's assistant coach. So that's the job that he got as a result of this. Um, Everyone gets and, something. Uh, and Tom Dooley, they they were like totally unimaginative, and all all they could do was kind of stand around while Alan Sutter just danced around them. I don't know. Uh, Dooley gave away the free kick that led to their goal, but I don't remember who was making the run. But it's one of the Swiss attackers who was just a little bit too clever for him, and he just you know it. That I guess that's the part of the match where it did feel a little bit like we were just trying to you know uh, out muscle them. And they they were able to deal with that pretty effectively, um, but the wingers the wingers were great. Harks and Ramos were just so were all good. over them, and that was like that was a level and of, of technique it, and imagination that I wasn't expecting to see. And you wouldn't you weren't expecting to see it in the context of the game either, because when you when you know it's it, it struck me that this is thirty years ago, you know twenty five right. fine. But, you know, 30 fucking years ago, like this was a long time ago. And it and it does show like when you I think you could put um, a lot of first league teams in the world against anyone in 1994 and just dominate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So, so much more advanced that the the, the physical side, the mental physical side, everything, everything about it is so much more fluid now, so much more quick. Um, but when when players did pop off the screen, pop out of yes. the 1994 bubble and look yes. like a modern yes. day player, oh there was just some magic to it. And and, and Tab, Tab Tab gave us a bunch of those moments. Oh. He had he had one where he he receives it on the half turn. He goes in central midfield. This is like halfway through the second half. He he turns his shoulder and some you know sees two defenders on their way. He does a little L cut, which is when you you know draw it back and and put it behind your other leg. And just does them both, and it's so quick. It's the, it's Pulisic quick. It's, it's Pulisic quick. Yes, this is the that's what popped into my head too. And what I was thinking was, um, I think like on a tactical level, there's sort of one thing that really stands out that has a lot of knock on effects for me, which is the uh, the the two strikers, hmm. because that was that was I think you know pretty much standard at that point was to was to play the two strikers because it kind of makes sense you have to have a partnership you don't want to leave one player like stranded quote unquote up top but what happens in the in the modern game is that the kind of second striper striker drops deeper and deeper um and becomes more of like a 10 and then you have those those wide midfielders who end up creeping up the field which makes them a little bit more effective and gives them a little bit more spring when they when they get deeper in the field and then that leaves room that the fullbacks have to occupy which means that now the six has to kind of split the center back sometimes, and you have the, the like, uh, um, what's his face from Barcelona? I'm I'm forgetting all modern soccer player names. Oh now. yeah, fuck uh, modern Busquets, soccer. The we Sergio Busquets role, um, and so there's there's a lot of things that that kind of come from the the uh, let's see the removal of certain like orthodoxies if I could put it that way, where it's like, if, if you always assume that things are going to be a certain way, you're stuck. And as soon as you start to experiment, um, you see a lot of other possible changes. But what I was thinking is like the, the one striker, uh, or the, the two striker system ultimately leads to these much more static fullbacks. Cause you had, uh, Koyman and, um, Caligiuri who didn't really cross the halfway line at all. And that was like that was something that you would pretty much never see today because you, there's 
at least one side, you know, that you're going to have a fullback who's, who's has like attacking as a main responsibility on, on pretty much every team. Um, and then like the, the flatness of the lines as well. Like there was very little like interchange between attack and defense. And I, I was just thinking like, you know, how you mentioned tab, how would tab be used today? And I think you'd have the same debates as you have with Pulisic now where it's like, oh, do we play him at the 10 where he can have the most impact or do we play him as a winger in a front three where he can, he can run at people and he can use his dribbling. Um, or or is he actually like, a Jamie Vardy style striker as no one? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but in that era, like he, he by default ends up kind of having like defensive responsibility a lot of the time. Yeah. Because he's playing right midfield in a in a super rigid four four two. So that I think like shackled him a little bit from what he could have accomplished as an attacker. It did, but I think it's worth saying as well that he he did the thing. I mean, he is not easy to go against. He he defends yeah, hard. God. In a way that I wish, I wish Pulisic had, you know? Yeah, and yeah, there, yeah. There is absolutely. something to be yeah. said for, like, the grittiness of this team. Everyone on this team, no matter how skilled, is assuming that they're going to have to, like, brawl a little bit. And I oh, love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah Tab uh, took, took some dudes out early. Yeah, and, and left left some cleat marks on people and, yeah, and left a statement. I mean, I feel like he's he's like, all right, if I hit them first, they'll stop hitting me. You know, that makes sense. And... It's 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 so interesting that trade off. Like it's we we talked about that a lot when when after Trinidad, you know how we had this like estuarial moment of the old culture exiting and the new culture coming in, and we noticed that obviously there's a much greater talent level with the new crop of players, but we are missing a little bit of that. And and this this team had the combination. It's, it was it was magical for. And they did well. They did well. It was magical. So Not tell the folks. So what ended up happening in this tournament? You know, where where does this go <sighs> for the for this team? So yeah, from here they um, they played Colombia. They won two to one. Uh, from what I recall slash have uh, you know read retroactively about the game um, it was uh, not an amazing performance they got a little bit lucky with uh, to to come away with three points um, and obviously the main narrative of that game is the fact that after Colombia's uh, ignominious ignominious <laughs> ignominious mouse uh, from from the World Cup uh, Andres Escobar uh, one of the players on the team got murdered in in Colombia um, mm. by the the drug cartels. I think essentially as retribution for like embarrassing the country. So that's that kind of overshadows everything, and you can't kind of watch that game now or think about that game without without thinking about that event, which is so interesting because obviously it's like a a key a great great victory at the time, very joyful moment for U.S. soccer, but it's it's uh, colored by this tragedy. Um, and then from there, they they have the four points. They know that they're probably going to go through, um, and they they had kind of a disappointing uh, loss to Romania in the last game. A really good Romania team, but nonetheless. Um, and then they played Brazil in the round of sixteen, and they hung tight with Brazil. They went toe to toe, but Tab got elbowed in the head and had to come off. Um, uh, kind of in the middle of the game, and that took the spark out of the U.S., and they just couldn't find a way through, and Brazil won one nothing, and that was the end of the tournament Brutal for the U.S. Um, but I would say, in general, it was a, a, a big success, and that success started with this game, because if this game's 5 nothing, 
to the Swiss, then I don't know if they have the confidence or the the faith uh, that they can actually continue getting results. And maybe they don't get out of that group. And then maybe, you know, maybe there's not as much momentum going into MLS and like MLS barely survived as it was, you know, so sure. There I, was, I don't think I mean, it's... I th- if I understand correctly, there was concern that we wouldn't be able to fill the stadiums for the remainder of the tournament. Right, if, right. If the exactly. U.S. didn't play if, well, if the in U.S. This went game. out early, yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> like I don't think it's overstating it to 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 connect those dots and and you know a performance like this. I, it's it gives me pride looking back on it, but um, I feel like at the moment the relief that the players must have felt to have uh, to have competed on such a level. Um, in such a level way with a really strong European opponent at, you know, their game, it's, it must've been immense. So full credit to the team. They deserved every, uh, hack media job they got after this. (laughs) Every, every spot they do. I mean, there, many of the, (laughs) these players are wonderful broadcasters who we deeply appreciate. Sure. Um, Sure. And, 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 one and of they, them. they earned it. Like, they, they put up. They did the work to yeah. represent the country properly uh, on this amazing stage, once-in-a-lifetime stage. And they set the tone for decades of, you know, relative success. It's a tough period right now. It's a kind of low period uh, for, the, for the program, um, as we all know. But uh, the fact that it is a low period is testament to the expectations that these guys were able to establish you know because if, right. if they just suck the whole time we we'd always have the sense that you know just oh just making it into the world cup's a big accomplishment because yeah. you know we wouldn't even be having this well conversation anyway. yeah there we would, wouldn't be having there would this be no podcast exactly. there would be no nats exactly. as we know it um and i feel like it's important to appreciate right like you watch this game and you think yes like we could have done better if we played more through the midfield if we if if the center backs didn't like rip it every time, <laughs> you know, we could have, we could have scored an open play. We had the skill to do it. Sure. Feel that way. I feel that way. But at the same time, when Alexi Lawless says set pieces, set pieces, set pieces, you know, this is where he's getting that from. He, exactly. He is exactly. coming from a world where there is no soccer in America. And in order to exactly. make it happen here, they had to tie against Switzerland in the world cup on an epic set piece. That's what yeah, had, exactly. and not only that, but got scored on on a set piece, not from open play. So right, right, right. you know, it's for me, it's about coming to understand and appreciate, you know, why what the this group of people who is, you know, I have so many problems there with what is being done, you know, these days uh, and ongoing, and what has been done, and yet there is so much to be said for this exact group of people that now pulls all the strings that made this happen for us in America, that made this possible for us to be fans, to be, to even give a shit, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And you think about, um, all the figures behind the scenes as well, you know, all the, the, the Sunil, Sunil is a great example and that there's a story to tell there about like his, his contribution, but I think there are even, even more people and people like, um, like Bob Lee, for for oh ESPN God. who yeah. promoted and you know championed the game at ESPN in the 80s and 90s and tried to make things happen and like even um folks like a, there's a journalist I've I've met a, a bunch of times covering games Jerry Hawkins who covered the team um 
you know, from the, the like Trinidad qualifier, uh, all the way to the present day. And these people in some like small way all contributed to this thing actually happening. Yeah. And it's, it's really astounding to think about. And there, I, I just feel like there were so many points at which this entire experiment could have been a big flop, you know, in the same way yeah. that like the, the uh, NASL um, shining star ended up not causing lasting change. Like lasting change is so freaking hard. But the fact that like, you know, I feel like the, the national team does get incrementally better. Like if you look at 10-year periods, we do get incrementally better um, every 10 year period and MLS obviously is getting better every 10 year period. Um, MLS is getting better every not one year existing. Period. Yeah, exactly. MLS exactly. is killing it. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed that like on a, on a cultural tip <coughs> was that, uh, on, you know, between the two teams, there was one black starter, hmm. Ernie Stewart. Yeah. Which is really interesting when you think about like the the amount of diversity in the modern game, both on the U.S. side, but also internationally. Like, it's kind of hard to imagine a lot of the the European teams nowadays without, uh, you know, Serge um, Gnabry, African origin, yeah. exactly, um, or even Asian origin, uh, and and sure. you know, players from from all over the world. The the migration <clears throat> uh, patterns that have happened in society over the last 20, 30 years have really changed the game tremendously. And it, it's interesting to like look back on a world where like there was a little more homogeneity, I guess, and like more of that like ingrained cultural standards. I think there are a lot of countries as a whole that are that that struggle with that. Many countries do, um, including the US. Like how do we integrate uh all these different influences? But there are, you know, no Latin players, uh well I guess tab, um, but there there wasn't like the same degree of, I think, focus on that, certainly. And then even, like, thinking about the crowd, like, the crowd was, like, the crowd in Detroit was, like, the whitest crowd I've ever seen at a soccer game. So, which I'm guessing is probably, like, not atypical of the era. So why is that? So I, there's so many places I want to go with what you just said. Um, real quick... The first is, have you seen the YouTube videos about what the Jamaican national team would be if every person who was eligible for the Jamaican national team played for them? If they had Raheem Sterling and yeah, all that? Yeah, uh, I have not, but that must be it's, amazing. It is yeah. ridiculous. So just side note, check that out. That's a wormhole. It's insane. Um, okay, second thing. Why, at this early stage, why is it that it was a white game, like a white people's thing. Is it? I don't know. I, I don't think. Well, you mean in the U.S.? In the U.S., I mean, right? Like, so this is a manufactured interest, clearly. That it, this was a it's, decision yeah, that yeah, was yeah. made. Yeah. Right. So, so how can it be that in Detroit City, you know, this this entire crowd is white people? What what happened? And you know, and and that question relates. I I don't know if you can answer, it, but that question relates to the fallout afterwards, which is like you know, pay to play, and like a lot of the you, you know people yeah, exactly. people not feeling comfortable in the USF structure. You know, right, right, right. God, I don't know. I mean, my my only guess or my speculation would be that. Uh, 
marketers looked at white America as a more ripe target for this product, right? So yeah, it's it's an international product, but it, I mean, I, I guess I didn't see a lot of those commercials that seem to be like targeting the Latino population, for instance, in the no U.S. Way. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I, I feel like that's, that has to be somewhat at the root of it that it's like, if, if you just import this thing in order to make money, I feel like marketers would naturally look you to go to the money, uh, to, to money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, you know, there are so many like disgusting stereotypes in that or just generalizations, um, that where, where people like misvalue, you know, at just like in a purely business sense. And that's an interesting like aspect of it is I think if you, if you create messages and you create, uh, communities of inclusion, you ultimately end up creating the greatest commercial benefit, you know, like take, take an Atlanta United, for instance, or mm-hmm. a Portland Timbers mm-hmm. where like, you know, all, all are welcome. And that's part of the vibe. That's part of the brand. Um, LAFC, you know, like a, arguably, too. LAFC, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a lesson that, um, yeah, maybe it's taken 25 years to learn. Like, I, I mean, LAFC, I think that's a wonderful example where the team launches from the start, you know, intending to target the local population uh, yeah. in that particular part of Los Angeles to create a grassroots fan base because they know that if they have 5,000 raucous Mexican-Americans that that's going to bleed you know, energy and excitement for the entire stadium. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to see. And, uh, you know, obviously the changing demographics of America, even in the 25 years since then, uh, play, play a role as well. And, sure. and uh, growing, you know, economic power um, contained in, in minority communities. Sure. Yeah. But um, it's still like, in so. spite of all that, it, it strikes one today as a missed opportunity, even then. So tactically Absolutely. and marketing yeah. and, yeah. and like, you know, inclusiveness wise, but what, yeah, I, what's interesting, you know, it feels like it was already a missed opportunity exactly. the whole time. Yeah. That question is so interesting because it, it, I'd never thought about it before. I kind of like always just took it for granted that that was the case. That like yeah, soccer in America is a white person sport. It's like a white, you know, or whatever you want to call it, suburban like or whatever. Culture. Yeah, 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 suburban sport. Yeah, and it's like, well, how? <laughs> like, some at some point, people started making decisions that led to that, you know. And I'm, yeah. I'm kind of realizing that there's there's more to it than just like natural like uh, interest or, or flow. Like all all sports is a product in 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 some ways. Um, so it's it's interesting to think about and, and interesting like if you're interested like we are in changing that and being a part of like a, a more inclusive community that or just uh, riding riding the inevitable whatever. wave of yeah, yeah just getting <laughs> into way. the twenty first yeah. century either way. <laughs> um, it's interesting to think like what what is the origin of this effect because that yeah. that gives you like some clue as to what the antidote would be. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you can diagnose it, you might be able to heal it. So, all right, I want to I, I want to ask one final question, and this is maybe a throwaway. It's a popcorn. Um. Ernie Stewart didn't realize he's a dual national. Didn't realize he's from the Netherlands. <sighs> Is there any chance that what we experienced in 2019, the only good thing, Serginho Dest, is <laughs> somehow related to the Ernie Stewart experience? Can we give him any credit for this win? For, can, we, can we give Ernie Stewart credit for Dest? 
That's correct. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Is there I, any I, way? I feel like you have to. You I, must, right? Absolutely. They, they, they definitely talk Dutchese to each other. Yeah, man. Right? And er, Ernie's yeah. like, I've been there, bro. Like, it's yeah, worth it. Absolutely. He's Ernie's yeah. like, look at me now, dude. They don't have anything. <laughs> Ernie's like, now. all you have to look do... Look at me now. Like, just <laughs> look at me now. Hey. <laughs> He's like, look, like, just play for this team. You're going to have a dank career, like, for you, the rest of your life. Like, don't worry about it. Soccer's growing in this country. And they, like... They, Sport they, of the future. He, he, Ernie's, Ernie's in his ear, like, they think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny. It's. I'm just kidding. Uh, I I don't know. I think there's something to <laughs> that. It's like there's there's always like it's still it's still um, fresh territory. You know what I mean? That's right. Because yeah. like as 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 deep as our history has gotten, it's still a 25 year history. It's not yeah. a 125 year history of yeah. of like what our team does and stands for. Like if you look at Uruguay for for instance, like they created their soccer identity 80 years ago you know, with winning the first two World Cups in a row. You're like, nothing's going to change. Like, that's that's pedigree that's going to last for, for centuries hence, you know. And it's like, it's it's interesting to think about how the, the U.S. soccer community still is being molded, you know. And there's there's further waves to come. I think we're in the middle of one of these big sea changes now where we have, what do we, we've probably got our, our eight of the best ten players are under 23, right, for the U.S., so... It's uh, it's it, it it continues to to grow leaps and bounds, and like it it makes you think if we you know when we're uh, grizzled old pod vets and we're watching games uh, twenty five years from now, what we will think of this team and like what those differences will be, those like corresponding differences are like things we think are now obvious, <laughs> you know what I mean, or th- things we think wish people had seen back then. Like I wonder what those will be. Well, we'll see, you know, we'll see. We'll, but see. The, we'll, hit, the, you, we'll hit you back in we'll, 25. We'll hit you back with the story <laughs> time then. But the cool thing about this is if you are listening to this podcast, you're a part of this thing. And we, we kind of, we, we echo back to this sentiment repeatedly on this podcast and it, and it always feels worth it. Like you, me, Ty, we are all a part of this thing and it just started. So as far as I'm concerned, this whole shut-in, this whole situation that, that, that we're facing is an opportunity to get a little bit more depth on whatever it is that you care about. So that might be music. You know, there are mixtapes that you missed. Go back, find them. That might be soccer. You know, let's go back and watch these games and really understand, you know, more about the things that we love. And it might be something else that I'm not interested in and therefore can't possibly think of in this moment, you know, um, whatever it is for you, whatever you care about, there's something, there's something that you care about. And it's, you know, now is a great opportunity to just like dive in, understand it on a much deeper level and be able to guide it forward after this whole thing clears up in a better way. Right? Like that's, that's, if there is, uh, you know, there, there, if there is an inadequate silver lining to point to, it's something like that. Right? Yes, like remember how like the U.S. had this one and a half year head start over all the other teams when it came to the 2022 cycle, and then we blew it and didn't do jack shit in that, <laughs> that time <laughs> to prepare for the future. Correct. Well, now you have a duo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. I mean, fishy report. Like everyone's injured. This is working out for our young guys. Uh, oh, we, oh, we might yeah, need yeah, this yeah. break. You know. Yeah. 
we'll we'll actually talk about the real the the current Nats at some point. But th- this, yeah, you're right. This could be a blessing in disguise for for the for the U.S. Sure, sure. Any uh, any f- last thoughts uh, on USA Switzerland 1994 before we put it in the vault? It was a pleasure to watch this. It it took me. I I can admit it took me like you know a good 10, 15 minutes to get used to the the fuzziness and get my bearings a little bit watching the game. Um, the, but, but watching it, I mean, yes, it's a little bit slower. It's definitely not the same quality of product that we see, like, especially like top level champions league nowadays, but there was really good soccer played very smart, aggressive in, you know, uh, technical soccer on display, including a fucking golasso by an, a yank. Oh my God. Oh my God. That essentially launched soccer in the US. And the second half even with no goals was a a joy to watch. Just a, the the you know speed picked up, the cohesion picked up a little bit on both sides. Alan Sutter is my my hero forever now. Unbelievable player. White there, Neymar. And, dude, Get White Neymar. There. And there's more. There's more just like him that we don't know about. Let's find Absolutely. them. Let's learn yeah. about so, them. And there's so much pleasure to be had in watching these games that, that we either, you know, never saw or never saw properly. Um, so you're right. It's, this is not a time of sadness. It's a time of gratitude for what we have at our fingertips to experience and, and, and enjoy. All right. Well, there it is. There it is, folks. I like a lot of things, dude. I like a lot of things. I don't love the beach. Uh, it, you know, my skin gets itchy. But that moment when my skin stops being itchy and I'm still at the beach and I can <laughs> feel like I enjoy it for just a second, I do like that. Um, I also quite like uh, cracked mirrors. You know, when you look into a mirror, it shows you all kinds of weird fragments and you think, should, should this be in like a Vim Vendors film, you know? And, and, and suddenly you feel like uh, you, you can see beauty all around you. I like that moment. Um, and I also quite like a, a, a Tic Tac, you know? No problem with the Tic Tac. I don't think that they actually do anything to combat bad breath. Um, no. That's just some if feedback. If anything, they worsen it. That's just some feedback uh, that I've gotten in my time. <laughs> you take it or leave it. Uh, but I don't love any of that shit as much as I will always, always and forever love the Nats. Always and forever. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Tic Tacs are the Febreze of <laughs> breath aids. I know. It's all it's marketing, It's just another dude. funky, like, uh, manufactured layer on top of the bad shit that was already there. Yeah, dude. Axe spray. It's Axe, exactly. But for your mouse. <laughs> mouth. I just saw that Alan Sutter played for Dallas Burn at the end. He, no he came way. back to retire. In MLS. He really is the good Breck Shea. <laughs> He's the good <laughs> <Breck> Shea. <laughs> and he went from Nuremberg to Munich. Played like one season for Munich. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's fucking crazy. That's, dude that's, was that's, Waller. Dude, that's Bobby Wood going, going to Bayern Munich. Yeah, exactly. Year. Exactly. Like, that's fucking crazy. His, his 
touches were ridiculous. So good. I mean, I mean, maybe this was like the game of his life. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe. I, you know. Before an important match for the Swiss team, he unfolded a banner to protest against France testing the atom bomb. <laughs> My man. <laughs> he is known for spending much of his spare time protesting against continued logging in the Amazon basin. Dude, where is this man? What is he doing? Sutter, he does he does commentary. He's only fifty-two, so he was he was young at the time. Yeah, he was like twenty-seven at the time. Oh wow, okay. He he played one season in Dallas. <laughs> and then he's during training in early nineteen ninety eight, he stepped awkwardly in a hole of the practice field. Because the burn was using the facilities of a high school at the time, and the injury forced him to retire. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like a Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel. That's so hilarious that you mentioned that, because I have 100 Years of Solitude <laughs> right next to me right now. It's so funny. Dude, Alan, Alan Souter. Alan Souter. A poetic life lived. Indeed. What is next for this man? Nobel Peace Prize. At the very least. Nobel Ankle Breaking Prize. (laughs) (laughs) 